Welcome to Council 4 Unplugged, the podcast of our Council 4 AFSCME Union. We are proud to represent 30,000 working women and men around Connecticut. And I'm Larry Dorman, your host of Council 4 Unplugged, and with us today is our special guest. He is the Speaker of the Connecticut House of Representatives, and he is an AFSCME member, and his name is Joe Arasimowicz. Welcome, Joe. Good morning, Larry. How are you? It's great to have you. Thanks for joining us for a few minutes. And Joe, I wanted uh, you to talk a little bit about uh, kind of the interplay between uh, trade unionism, your own trade union uh, beliefs, and your role as as a state legislator, uh, Speaker of the House, public servant who who believes in in champions unions. So uh, maybe talk a little bit about your background. Um, As you know, Larry, I've been a 26-year now dues-paying member of AFSCME, but that's not where my familiarity with the labor movement started. It was growing up. Uh, my parents uh, grew up in New Britain. Uh, they actually, when they first got married, they lived in a three-family house. I had an uncle on the first floor, uh, my Uncle George. I had my father on the second floor with my mom, and then my Uncle Steve on the third floor. And my father got a job over at Connecticut Fast Rate, which was right around the corner from here at Council 4. And that was his first union job at Teamsters Local 671. And my Uncle George got a job with the state of Connecticut um, over at uh, Charter Oak Community College. And my Uncle Steve got a job over at E.C. Goodwin Technical School. So all three of them got union jobs. And all three of them, soon enough, moved out of that three-family house and bought their own houses. So that was my first exposure to labor unions was giving the people the ability to to progress, to join the middle class, to buy their own homes, to raise their families. Um, so that's all I've ever known. Growing up, when uh, I needed a pair of glasses, we'd get in the car, we'd head over to East Hartford to local uh, 671's offices, we'd get our glasses. When uh, we went over to Lake Compounds, it was usually because one of my aunts or uncles who worked at Pratt & Whitney or New Britain Machine were having a picnic. So I've always known the unions as as allowing people to get to the middle class, but more importantly, supporting workers. So that's my familiarity. That's my passion. And working here at Council 4 is just a continuation of it. Right. And Joe uh, also serves as our union's education coordinator, in addition to uh, his public service as a state representative. And Joe, uh, tell us about your own particular union experience. Uh, I believe you started at the American Red Cross. I did. I did. Uh, uh, I went to work at the American Red Cross. When I came out of the military, I had all this medical training that I thought would find me a great job. And in the end, it didn't turn out to be that. But I eventually landed at the American Red Cross. They trained me. I was a BSNT, a blood services nurses technician. And I think within the first year on the job, they named me as a steward. And shortly thereafter, I became the president. So I served over there for the president for almost four years. And then I came over to Council 4. Right. And uh, so our listeners are aware, the, we're talking about the American Red, uh, Red Cross Blood Services region in Farmington, Connecticut. Local 3145. Local 3145 of AFSCME. We are proud to represent them. And we do have many private sector workers in our union, as well as public sector workers. And uh, one of our larger private sector groups is Local 3145. They are the uh, frontline blood collection workers who uh, protect our blood supply. And uh, they do important work. So that really was a good education for you in terms of becoming a, a union leader and somebody who fought for for workers because uh, it's pretty well known that uh, the Red Cross is a difficult employer. Yeah, it's a difficult job. Um, the higher calling of the job is what keeps us all there. Uh, the working conditions, uh, the constant battles we'd have with management would make it difficult. Uh, but having a union, 
was really key and uh, the higher mission of providing that safe quality uh, blood to the public of the state of Connecticut. And wasn't your, it your feeling even back then uh, as, as a frontline worker at the Red Cross that there was an interconnection between being in a, a strong union, being an advocate for your fellow workers and yourself, and protecting that blood supply? Could you maybe elaborate on yeah, that a little bit? So, so many times uh, the, the, the rub is that they want to turn a profit. Or they call themselves a not-for-profit, um, but ultimately, it's it's they want to save money. They're like any other company. So many times, it was the union itself that would step in, and not necessarily uh, saying that it was all about the workers, because we do look out for the workers. But if they were to put in place some of the procedures, it would have a negative impact to the blood the blood supply, and, and more importantly, or equally as important, uh, the safety of the donor themselves. There was a few plans to change the age of a donor. Um, I've been at the high school blood drives. There's severe reactions. Um, and if you have a donor that donates at a young age and has a severe reaction, chances are they're not coming back to ever donate again. Um, So it was the union itself, the one that was fighting to prevent a bad experience in in trying to keep the blood supply safe. And that's what the importance of a union is. Mm -hmm. It uh, it isn't just the pay and benefits, right? Uh, Absolutely. I mean, many times, now now I'm in the legislature, the labor unions are coming up to fight for things like uh, minimum wage, uh, paid family medical leave, uh, sick days. Those are all things union members have. But it's another testament to why labor unions are so important and so critical, is they fight for all working people, regardless of whether they're members or not. Uh, Workers' compensation laws are on the books because of labor unions. And uh, if labor unions go away, those laws will go away. And tell me, how did being a union member influence or impact your decision to become a public servant? And I know uh, in addition to uh, serving the state legislature prior to that, you were on the Berlin Town Council. I was. Um, But maybe you could talk a little bit about the um, importance of of union membership in in shaping your your political aspirations. It's an awareness. It's it's an awareness of um, the things that we value are just not given to us. Um, We have to fight for them. Um, So I learned it at Local 3145, and within a year of coming over here to Council 4, I ran for uh, Berlin Town Council. At that time, I had uh, uh, my son, Michael, was about eight years old. He was going into um, elementary school, the same elementary school that I went to growing up. Um, And I was seeing things on the town council level and the board of education level that just didn't sit well with me, that the resources weren't being allocated in a way that would provide him the best education, right? That's how we all start. It's somewhat parochial. Exactly. Um, But once I got involved, I saw the bigger picture. You know, what's the mission of the town? Where are we going? What direction are we moving in? Um, So it was the same same core belief that got me to be a steward to stand up and fight for my coworkers, um, that got me to run for office, that I wanted to stand up and fight for my son. And the more I learned, the more people I wanted to fight for, and ultimately led me to Hartford. Right. And you, uh, what term, you have served how many terms now in the state legislature? Yeah, some. They'll say too many, but no. <laughs> we'll get to that. <laughs> uh, th- this is now, I was elected in 2004. 
Um, and they're two-year terms. So what are we at? Seven now? Yeah. And uh, for our listeners, Joe is now entering, about to enter his third term as the speaker. Second. Second, second term I'm as sorry, speaker. Second term as the yeah. speaker of the House of Representatives. And, and you know, we're very proud of that, but um, might as well get to, uh, get to the issue. Uh, it seems that you've been under some pretty relentless and I would say unfair attacks uh, precisely because of your union background and because you are an advocate for working people and kind of hoping you want to address that. I, I will. I, I just think it's, it, it's a made-up argument. Um, let's get to the basic facts. Uh, the Connecticut General Assembly and the House specifically, we have 151 members. Each of those 151 come from various backgrounds. You have doctors, you have lawyers, you have nurses, um, you have real estate agents, insurance brokers. You can go right down the list. Um, and we're a part-time legislature, so we all pretty much have to have outside jobs. You know, I don't think anybody right. can survive on $30,000 a year. Unless they're ultra-rich. Well, that's the key, right? right? So we all come from different backgrounds. And the legislature itself is reliant on those backgrounds. Because we're a part-time legislature, we're only in part of the year. Some months it's four months, other, other parts, other years it's six. Um, so we come in with a knowledge base that allows us to make our decisions. That's how it's always operated. Until a union member has now ascended up to leadership like I have, now all of a sudden they say it's a conflict of interest. That somehow, because I belong to a union, that I'm not capable of putting my own interests or my members' interests to the side um, to make decisions that are best for the state. First of all, I think both can coexist together, and more times Absolutely. than not, they're the exact same thing. Absolutely. But when pushed, I understand my roles. So there was an attempt two years ago, um, well, not even an attempt, right? The, the minority leader at that time, Themis Claritas, uh, uh, refused to second my nomination. And on the House floor brought up my job as, as, as the reason, which I took a great deal of offense to. Uh, folks have asked me to step down and that I shouldn't be doing the job and I can't do both. Um, I reject it out of hand. Um, if we're going to go by that standard, then those that are doctors should not be on the public health committee. Those that are insurance agents should not be on the insurance and real estate committee. Those that are lawyers should not be on the judiciary committee. Right. If we're going to go down that path to where our real life experiences, our jobs are creating a conflict, um, then we should go to a full-time legislature and require there's no outside uh, employment. If that's the real argument, right. the reality is there. We both know that's not the real argument. They just like to see union members, state workers, or union employees as, as the culprit, as, as the foil. Scapegoats. Yeah, the scapegoats. And quite honestly, it's a bunch of crap. It's absolutely a bunch of crap. Our state employees allow us to do the, the many services our residents need. Our state employees have been cut almost 12,000 over the last 10 years, we've lost almost 12,000 state employees. And still, there's some, some elected officials and, and some public that just don't think that's enough. So look, it's an unfair criticism. I take offense at it. But I never buckled. I never folded. I'm proud to stand up and talk about my union affiliation and why I believe in fighting for working people. 
Yeah, and our, our ASME union, again, at council, here at Council 4, we represent 30,000 workers across the state. We have police officers, correction officers, school paraprofessionals, sanitation workers, plow drivers, nurses, social workers who work for the state of Connecticut, librarians in, in almost every city in town. So, and... We have many um, private sector workers, such as the Red Cross workers uh, and, the, and the union from which you came. So really what we're talking about is, to me, we need more people like you at the legislature who are going to, going to advocate for workers in their communities. Uh, I, it seems to me it, it ought to be self-evident that a strong Connecticut needs, a strong and vibrant Connecticut needs a strong and vibrant workforce, public or private sector. Yeah, I mean... We- I talk about the state budget as, you know, sure, it's dollars, right? Everybody likes to talk about the dollars, but you got to look a little to the left of the dollars um, and not left politically. But if we're doing a spreadsheet, if we're all acting like they say, run it like a business and okay, so to the left are the things that we think are important as a state to offer our residents, a quality education a robust judicial system to where people that do commit crimes are locked up and kept away from folks, uh, that that our streets are passable and plowed, uh, that our kids have good teachers in front of them. Those are our priorities. That's what we believe as a society is important. And then the dollar amount is next to them. So everybody says, cut the state budget. And I repeat back to them, okay, I hear you. Which one of your services are are you willing to give up? So we need those workers to provide those services, and we need to ensure that they have good benefits. Nobody's you hear these Cadillac benefits. These, those don't exist. Our members now here at Council 4 and around the state and other unions, they have okay insurance. They have good insurance, which I think everybody should have. Right. Um, they have some time off. Not this paid time off to where if you get sick, you don't get to go on vacation. We need more union members, and we need those people to provide those exact services that we as a, a state have said are important. So it, it's it's disingenuous when people stand up on the House floor, stand up in the committee rooms and say, cut the budget, cut the budget, cut the budget. Right. Oh, but don't take any money away from going to my town or the things I care about. Uh, before we finish up, Joe, the 2019 legislative session uh, is about to begin as we tape this podcast. We have a new governor, obviously, a new legislature. What are some of the kind of big issues impacting working families that you see coming up and possibly playing out during this legislative session? Uh, number one issue we heard out on the doors, and it was uh, both unionized, non-unionized, uh, lower lower to middle class, middle class to upper upper class um, is healthcare. Healthcare, I believe, is a right and not a privilege. Uh, the dismantling of the ACA at the federal level is having repercussions. I think one of the major issues that we're going to tackle is healthcare. Healthcare for all. I want to see every state of Connecticut resident with a quality healthcare um, program that they can afford. We can't have a healthcare industry. We have to have health care for the individuals. Um, Paid family medical leave. Many times I hear about individuals uh, that lose their homes uh, when their child gets sick or they get pregnant or they have a sick uh, family member. We have to ensure that these people can get paid and they can provide the services because there's other costs that occur when people lose their homes. There's other costs that occur when there's not somebody at home to take care of an elderly family member. They go into a nursing home. Um, it's penny wise and pound foolish just to think 
yeah, they'll take care of themselves. Uh, so that'll be one. Education funding, another. Minimum wage, we got to have that discussion. Uh, yes, it's expensive to live in the state of Connecticut. Um, and pe- we have to ensure that people are getting a wage to, to live here. Um, it's expensive because we provide great services, great education, great health care. Those are all good things. Um, so we have to address that to give people the ability to live with dignity in the state of Connecticut. Those are a few. Um, I'm sure more will come up. There's right. the other issues, you know, sports gambling, marijuana. Mm-hmm. Um, those are a little bit uh, different. But the working people of the state of Connecticut want to see workforce development. They want to have good insurance. They want to be able to take time off if they need to for their family. We got to work on it, and they got to be. They want to be paid a fair exactly. wage. Exactly, exactly. Uh, it has been a real pleasure talking to you, and I'd be remiss if I didn't tell listeners or remind some of our listeners. Uh, you were also the head football coach at Berlin High School. You guys went to the state championship this year, Class Double L. Yeah, I, I was near. I was undefeated. Um, on election day and still only won by 50 votes. Imagine if I had lost a game somewhere in there. I'd probably be a former state rep and a current head coach. But um, no, look, that's my passion. Yeah, Uh, I think it's uh, wonderful that you coach. uh, Yeah, 20 years. I love it. Our guest today has been Joe Arasimowicz. He is the Speaker of the House of Representatives for the state of Connecticut. He is AFSCME Council 4's Education Coordinator. He's the football coach at Berlin High School. Um, Joe does a lot of good things in the community, at the legislature, um, for the union. And, you know, quite honestly, folks, we need more people like Joe Arasimowicz serving in town bodies and in the state legislature. And let's always be mindful of that, that the stronger the voices are for working people, the better off our, all our communities will be. I'm Larry Dorman, and you've been listening to Council 4 Unplugged, the podcast of our AFSCME Council 4 Labor Union. And you can find us online and on all social media platforms using the keywords AFSCME Council 4. Thanks for listening. And remember, unions built the middle class.